Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. Welcome to this week's episode of the Penn State Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Taylor, and on this week's episode, I spoke with Jamie Perry about his duties as the Assistant Dean for Academic Services in the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. Jamie Perry, uh, Assistant Dean for Academic Services in the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. And what exactly is your role? Like, what exactly do you do in your role? My role primarily is, like I tell students and everybody, I oversee academic advising and support for students. And I think a broader breakdown is that my team uh, in academic services is responsible for bringing students in, helping them be successful early, obviously navigate their academics to graduate, but feel confident moving out into the workforce in four years. And you've been doing this for 30 years, is that? Oh, 30 years with the university, 20 years with the Bell Arsario College of Communications. And what kind of led you to, to this route? Well, interestingly enough, I was a criminal justice major, and I realized during my first senior year as an undergrad, I probably didn't want to stay in this field, but I was so close to getting my degree, I decided to keep working on my degree, and I earned it. At the same time, I was very involved in student support services here at Penn State, as an RA in the dorms, I was a part of the discipline system. So I kind of had a nice feel for kind of higher ed activities. And my supervisors, when I was an RA, approached me and said, hey, we have a situation at Beaver campus where the professional person who oversees RAs left. And I already had my undergraduate degree. I was starting graduate work. And they asked me if I'd go to Penn State Beaver on a temporary basis just to get them through the year by having someone in charge of the RAs. And one semester led to another year and then another semester. And then I stayed in res life for about three years within the university system. I moved from Beaver campus in Manaka, PA to Berks campus in Reading, PA. And I then kind of felt like, you know, boy, I'm really enjoying higher ed. So I worked on my graduate degree at Kutztown University in higher administration, uh, public administration. But then I kind of moved through the ranks in student support services. I went from running the dorms as a residence life professional to leading student activities to student affairs administration. And then I had an opportunity to go into admissions which brought me back to University Park in 1997 after being gone for about 10 years. And when I was in admissions, kind of enjoyed that part of my job. And I really felt I wanted to move to the academic side of the house. I was pretty much doing everything that was student life based. Let's think about going over to the academic side. And an opportunity came up here in the Belisario College. And I came here in June 12th of 1999. And I've been here ever since and started out as an advisor and moved up from advisor to supervisor of advising to 
director of advising and now assistant dean for advising. Uh, so I, I tend to ask people this who have a job where they're dealing with students or faculty like mm -hmm. on a consistent basis. What's like the daily, you know, the grind for you? What's well, the daily grind is you, you can have busier days or less busier days with the number of students you see. The daily grind is relatively unpredictable because you never know what a student is bringing in. In a pure sense, a student's going to come in and ask, what do I need to do about my classes? What do I do next semester? But because there's so many moving parts to that, there's a lot of unpredictability. Students deal with kind of personal crisis, students kind of having a change of heart in their major, students deciding they want to do second majors outside of the program, they might decide they want to study overseas, they might decide they want to take a year break because of a great internship opportunity or they need a break from studies to save money. So the daily grind really uh, has to have you prepared for anything from any student at any given time. But because it's so varied, you're not on a treadmill in terms of doing the same thing every day, which is kind of invigorating in a way because you have to be prepared to help students in multiple ways. Again, it's not, advising could be just, here's a class you need to take, sign up for them, see you later. But I think my staff is more in tune with the, the whole student and helping them make the most of their program that we're pretty focused on talking about anything to a student. And you said it could be invigorating, but uh, usually when something's that invigorating as a job, it's also a challenge. So what would you say the hardest, like are the biggest challenges for you? Biggest challenges for me is, is kind of when a student reaches a level of um, disappointment that we don't have easy remedies for. And what I mean by that is we have a controlled major in advertising public relations that students need a 325 to get into the major. If they don't have a 325 at a certain point, the major is not going to be available to them. So kind of working with that student and finding a plan B is always challenging because you know students are coming to college paying a lot of money for what they think they want to do and to have to take that away from them, that's always a little hard to deal with and you try and be encouraging. Uh, the bigger concern is always at the end when uh, a student can't graduate because of something went wrong academically and I'm never going to you know put the blame on a student but I'm going to always hope that the reason for not graduating is not something that an advisor did wrong. I mean, if we misadvise a student and it compromises their graduation, that's on us and that's a problem that I never want to happen. But usually it's a student either failed the course or dropped the course um, or didn't schedule the course because they didn't listen to the advisor. Then I have to sit down with them and talk about we can't just Forget about that requirement. It's now something you have to build in and you can't graduate on time. Were those like challenges there for you the moment you started doing advising at a high level or were those challenges something that you kind of started arising as you like rose in the ranks? Yeah. Well, I think they were always there, but when I was kind of green beyond, behind the ears in terms of knowing everything, if I ran into a challenge like that, I had people, people on staff that were here that had a little more experience, you know, we'd work together and try and find a remedy. So those things haven't gone, aren't going to go away. They're always going to be something that goes on 
And then there's always the, you know, kind of the, and the, the saddest part of the job is when, you know, students are in more kind of personal hardship and, you know, loss of a family member when they're in midstream of class and they need to take time off or if they're going through a personal crisis with mental health or physical ailment where, you know, it's kind of, you got to take a break from classes and it's not going to work out the way you want it to. Uh, obviously, crisis situations are um, something that we're supportive of, but, but they wear on you because you never want to see a student hurting. Yeah, how do you deal with that? You know, uh, I know a lot of people when they have to deal with students who are people in general who mm -hmm. have like struggles personally. Right. It's sometimes hard to maybe keep it at work and not take it home and things like that. Yeah. Well, for the student, I think what we try and do is um, make sure they get to see the right people because there's tremendous support services in the university setting that there's people more adept at handling those particular things. So, you know, we're, we're going to be quick to make referrals. We don't just pass the buck and say, you have to go see somebody. We're going to get on our phone. We're going to involve ourselves. And, you know, if Jerome is a student in crisis, Jerome's sitting right here and we're going to call over to the appropriate office. I'm going to say, Hey, my name is Jamie Perry. I'm in the Bellasaro College of Communication Advising. I got a young man here named Jerome who things aren't quite right. Um, we need to kind of help get him to a better place. And then the people at the other end, they're going to kind of take the torch from me and get the, keep things moving in a, in a better direction and try and help Jerome. Yeah. That's just an example of how we try and do it. And then for you personally... Uh, is there a struggle, you know, keeping things at the job or? Um, I'm sure for some people there's a struggle. I mean, you know, things will wear on my heart um, and, you know, kind of, you know, you're sad by it. But it's, I don't say I've been affected at a level that I can't do an effective job. And more times than not, you know, there's a check-in with that same student. We just don't say, see you later. You know, there's a follow-up check-in, and most of the time, things get to a better place. And even as hard as it is for a student, we always say that there's light at the end of the tunnel, there's a silver lining around the cloud that, you know, even though it's a dark day now, things are going to part, and the light's going to come on, the sun's going to come out. So very few times have things not been successful. And over the course of, I guess, 20 years mm -hmm. from 99, uh, what has you seen as a change either within the department you're in or with the students coming into the college? Okay, within the, the Bellasaro College itself, I'd say that the program's just gotten stronger and better and very heavy on student service oriented. And when I joined back in 99, Doug Anderson came on board two weeks later as the dean. And I think up until 2000 and 10 or 2012, his role as dean, he really kind of raised the bar in our program um, and passing the torch to Dean Hardin. Marie Hardin has been incredible because she's um, you know, really kind of expanded our national reputation, kind of the, the initiative of what we're doing in terms of preparing young students to be young professionals in all areas of the media world. I kind of joked that Doug Anderson's old school, Marie Hardin's new school, but they had a great transition on 
him kind of building up our program, strengthening it, and her taking it to the next level in many ways. And I think, um, you know, looking forward to uh, Belisario's commitment to the university and to the, to the program. You know, we're just going to be expanding in great ways. In terms of students, it's fascinating that, um, you know, there's an ebb and flow to students coming in and out. But with confidence, we can go after students more aggressively in terms of we want great students who have great academics, but also because our program is kind of on the, the cutting edge or the upper echelon of what I consider media learning, you know, we're going after students who want to do media. I mean, you can't come here and sit behind a book and become a great media specialist. You have to be holding a mic in your hand. You have to be working a camera. You have to have the ability to communicate with people um, through social media, through multimedia technology. You have to have the ability to be a great writer and a great speaker at the same time. So when we're talking to students about coming into our program, you know, it's kind of saying, you know, you got to come in ready to hit the ground running and be a part, part of making media happen. So 20 years ago, you know, students can probably get away more with kind of um, a slow pace, book learning, but now you're coming in and you've got to do media because your work has to be evaluated every day because once you go into the workforce, you know, you might have an assignment due in two weeks, you might have an assignment due in 48 hours, you have to have the skills to do it. And what would you say you enjoyed most about your job? Most about my job? Hmm. Well, obviously, it's, it's around the students. And I think, you know, what I kind of like is when I meet students and I get to meet their parents and family, that's kind of a reassuring feeling, you know, on a personal side that, you know, the kid is here because they want to be here and they have the support from the family. And that's always a nice thing. But... Every student that comes in, you know, you have the, you know, the blue star person who's got it all figured out is polished. But I have just as much enthusiasm for the struggling kid who is just trying to make it. And, you know, when they're making it, they're going to be successful out there in the workforce. So it's all about the students for me. And you talked about, you know, going and recruiting the top tier, top tier students and things like that. Uh, what can a a student who does come in for their first advising appointment expect? Well, for me, they're going to expect a little bit of harassing. <laughs> I mean, I like to joke around with them and give them a hard time, you know, where they're from, kind of what they think their dream job is, but kind of want to break barriers in terms of formality, and I want students to be comfortable with talking about anything, and I would hope that my whole advising staff, and I think we're good at this, is that there's never any judgment in terms of what's going on with the student. There could be concern that might be construed as, as, as judgment, but we're just going to try and help students be on the right path. I often say when I'm meeting with families and with um, students that I think our unit could do a good job of taking the bureaucracy out of the university where we can help students kind of focus in on the important things that they immediately control and as they have questions about the bigger picture, we're here to support them in terms of getting involved in student activities, how to study abroad fit in. Oh, you want already think about internships? Let's get our internship office involved. So we're, you know, always constantly trying to 
make this place feel small and comfortable to any student because everyone's affected differently by size. And from that first advising appointment, you know, their freshman year to their senior year, what's like that process for a student? Depend obviously well, yeah, yeah, it, it's interesting. It's a good question to ask because our advising model is very kind of liberal in its approach where students are assigned an advisor, but students also migrate to certain advisors on their own and it's a comfort level. And through our approach to scheduled appointments and drop-in appointments, we're really trying hard to tell students, you know what, it's, it doesn't matter who on the advising staff is answering your question, it's more a matter of getting it answered in a timely way. So I'd say probably 60% of students kind of go on that philosophy is, I'll see who, who I can when it's the quickest I can. So it doesn't matter if I see Jamie, it doesn't matter if I see Mary, it doesn't matter if I see Kristen, it's really getting the questions answered. But the students you kind of build a history with that are kind of your regulars that might be on your roster who only want to see you, or to just students you have a relationship with. It's really kind of a growing friendship in a way because we're getting to know them and you know when we were coming into the office we know they did an internship with ESPN or with um, uh, a PR firm that you know we could have a conversation about how to go and and generally we know what's going on in a student's life and so I think it's it's always building on our last experience but it makes the next experience um, less cumbersome and I think we get more done in a shorter period of time because we're on the same page and I think some people, when they hear, you know, there's, they might see multiple advisors, you know, over the course. How, for someone who isn't, who hasn't been in an advising session, how do, how does a certain advisor, a new advisor, pick up from where the last advisor or the previous advisor left off? Uh, well, we have everything electronically um, filed. So, whenever we meet with a student, we can pull up their information before we pull them in to see what the last advisor had discussed with them. You know, are the things that we've discussed that we asked the student to do a little research on or background on. So that way, you know, again, I'll use you as an example. I could pull your record up and say, Jerome, I see you met with um, Olivia about two months ago. You're expressed interest in study abroad. You're in research abroad programs. Um, where does things stand on, on that? And the student's going to feel, you know, you're going to give information and then it's kind of, all right, that's good. Uh, what are you here for today? Just to make sure if you're introducing something new or if it's going on with what was left before. So it's a combination of paying attention to what's happened most recently with the student in the advising office. And when when can, you said drop-in hours and scheduling appointments. Yeah. Uh, what's the difference and then how... But we would consider the drop-in appointments a triage, where it's a 15-minute check-in. If we can get things done in 15 minutes, great. If we feel we need more time, we go to a scheduled appointment. But the triage approach in terms of coming to the window, signing in, uh, you can sign in and it's between 8.30 and 11 a.m. every day. And when you sign in, you can request to see a specific advisor, you can put nobody in there and you can be the first one seen. So if you think about going to 
the deli market and into the long line. You take a number. We're kind of students go into the queue that way, and we keep taking the students as they requested somebody. That person's going to wait until their advice is available, but we'll keep working our way through. But we try and keep those to 15 to 20 minutes just to kind of tidy things up, answer quick questions students might have. And if we have a drop-in appointment, it's like, Jerome, we've covered it about as much as we can, but because you're talking about doing a second major and study abroad, let's go on a calendar now. We can make an appointment for a couple of weeks from now, and we're going to also pay attention to if there's deadlines coming up. So I could say to you, uh, our student, all right, you want to do a double major and head abroad? I know the deadline for head abroad is February 5th, so there's no technical urgency so let's look out a couple weeks so I can build you into my schedule. And on the flip side, if it's February 1st and we're sitting down and say, all right, I can't do this right now. Let me see what I have available in the next three days. Let's get you a schedule appointment so we'll filter a student in that way. And what do you typically find yourself saying to a first year or a first time student coming into to an advising session? You or, you know, other advisors? Well, we're, we're big on academics first. I think there's a huge social distraction with kind of, you know, wanting to have fun. Um, so we tell students that academics first and join at least one media organization during the activities or organization fair that happens like day three or day four of the, the semester because uh, we want them to be engaged in media. Uh, we also tell them to get engaged in one other activity outside of media and kind of don't say this to students directly, but, you know, students can go back to their room and get consumed by what's in their computer, what Xbox games they have, and they're certainly a part of a student's life, but we don't want students to be in that world when there's a whole big world out here for them. And I guess the same question, but a student on their way to graduation, you know, what, are, what is something you always find yourself saying to a student, you know, months or weeks away from graduation? Uh, one, hunker down and don't have any slip ups. I know you're ready to move on, but let's finish strong. Uh, take advantage of our career placement resources that can help you kind of prep as you're finishing your final semester and your final weeks and have fun. You've got ready to take on a new challenge, so try and enjoy this experience. And then uh, in the coming year, the new media center will be built across the street. Mm -hmm. uh, how does that affect you? Oh my gosh, it is, just, it is gonna be such a, a new level of enthusiasm for the college because I mean, I'm a fan of Innovation Park and we have great facilities out there and people, it doesn't make sense to people when they hear about it. But we get them out there, eyes get big, smiles on their face, like, wow, you did this for students. So there's already that enthusiasm, that wow moment. The wow moment when we lose Innovation Park and we have the new media center, which is gonna be you know, leaps above what we have out there, you know, one, it's an immediate recruiting factor 
for people to be all people to be able to see that because sometimes it's tough to get people out to Innovation Park to see it because of their schedules. They've usually had a long day, but now there's going to be no reason why any visitor who wants to do media isn't going to go through that new media center and realize this facility is incredible and it's incredible for advertising majors, PR majors, journalism majors, telecom majors, film majors, and media studies majors. So there's only good news for that. And I think too, when students see it, they're going to realize, hey, this is a legit hustle and bustle um, communications program that I got to be coming come ready with my game on. How often are you going to sneak over? You seem oh, excited. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be over there a lot. I mean, I go out to, I try and go out to Innovation Park once a week to see students in action with their classes and just to walk the halls and just say hello to people because it's a fantastic professional staff over there that's looking over students. Uh, the faculty in our broadcast film and production areas that are out there, it's great to always see them. It's been fun to kind of see them right across the hall or across, across the street, I should say. So, um, yeah, it's going to be... You know, More Innovation Park served its purpose, but thanks to Donald P. Belisario and his love for this university and communications, we're clearly going in a great direction, and uh, a lot of great things are going to happen. Uh, predicting a little bit more extended lunch breaks, just hanging out yeah, over there. Or just maybe daytime breaks. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm also one that, you know, if there's an issue or concern with a student, um, I'll pull their schedules up and see where they're at. And I can kind of wait outside the classroom. I can't always do that for out of Innovation Park, but right. now I'll be lurking a little more often. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else or any advice to any college student? Well, I guess my advice to college students is, is that the curriculum and Belisario Communications Program is rock solid. If there's an opportunity to take courses in our program, if there's an opportunity to do a concurrent major with something in our program, anyone who has a communications background is going to be able to write better, speak better, engage better, and those transferable skills are going to serve students in a wide range of disciplines. And uh, one example that's kind of old now, but I still love it, is that uh, one of our film students many years ago did not want to go to the at-large job fair the university has because they're like, they want business students, they want engineering students. And I said, no, you, but you got it all wrong. You want to be a filmmaker, I understand that. But your film skills, you're a communication specialist. You want to promote yourself that way because you don't know what company might be interested in you because of your ability to be a communicator in media. And the kid didn't really think about it that hard. But he said, all right, I'll go up and see it. I said, yeah, go up and just approach any company. All you can do is say, I'm a communication major. Could your company use us, use me? And so the kid went up, did it. kid came back with egg on his face because he was embarrassed. But he walked around, and I guess um, during his job fair, I think it was the FBI was there. And he approached the FBI, and knowing that they probably want accounting majors for white-collar crime stuff, and so he introduced himself as a communication major, and this field agent who was doing recruiting 
literally poked the kid in the chest and said video surveillance. So the film major never thought himself as doing video surveillance, but he has the skill set to do video surveillance. Yeah. So kind of anyone who's interested in rounding out their skills, communications can only help. Thank you. That's it. Yep, this has been great. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Penn State Conversations. For more information about the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications, including the latest news and upcoming events, visit belisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at PSU Belisario on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.